0: Welcome back to Warrior Talk, the voice of Little Rock Christian Academy, a.k.a. Warriorville. This is Gary Arnold, your host and your head of school. Every week, we want to bring you an insight onto parenting, school, community, and Jesus Christ. And we like to do it in around 10 minutes. This week, I want to testify once again how God shows his active participation in our maturation as his school. Time after time after time, my team and I can recount stories about how God has identified a person for us, whether it's teacher, leader, staff member, just when we're looking for teacher, leader, staff member to fill uh, a need, to build into the school. And it's just uncanny how perfect the fit is when God pre-identifies the person and we connect with that person at the right time. Today, we're going to talk to a man who is an example of such a story. Let me uh, welcome to Warrior Talk uh, Maran King, our upper school uh, dean uh, for the ninth and 10th grade part and parcel with that is his role as guidance counselor and moran is married to Christy king a local physician and together they bring to us hezekiah a junior in our upper school and together Uh, They are a warrior family. It's so much fun to see how they've gone from warrior mom and dad to now a true part of our administration. This summer, it became apparent that we had a need on our administrative team in the area of guidance counseling and deanship, and Dr. Smith and I had been praying that God would just show us the right person to fill this need, and indeed, at just the right time, literally within 48 hours of the need becoming apparent, we were able to zero in on a man that we had been watching for some seasons now, and that's Moran King. Moran, just tell us a, a little bit about that story from your perspective. What were you doing and how did you get here?
1: Well, I do have a student uh, here at Little Rock Christian Academy, my oldest son. He's a junior. Um, before coming to Little Rock Christian Academy, I've been in public education for, this is my technically my 20th year. And uh, I've been a classroom teacher as well as a guidance counselor uh, in the Little Rock Public Schools, uh, also in Delaware as well. And so when this opportunity came up, I was literally settled in into going back to my contracted job. I had already signed my contract with the district, and I was going to go back. But I had also been praying about some things personally concerning my family, my son, God giving me more time with them to spend more time uh, just imputing things into them that I think that I was missing uh, because of ministry and because of work and that kind of thing. And so when the opportunity came here, when Dr. Smith called me, at first I thought it was like, okay, he has to be kidding me. (laughs) And then once I began to speak with him about it, there was just a knowing inside of me that was unusual. Um, I had such a peace. There was no nervousness about what he was asking me and my consideration of coming to Little Rock Christian. I've always wanted to work in a Christian school. I didn't think I would get the opportunity because um, didn't really know how to get into it. (laughs) But I do feel a call of God to be here for this time to not just um, spend time with my son, which is just amazing, uh, but to really get a chance to shape lives of children uh, who are on
0: the path of determining what their faith foundation really will be. Moran, you know, I see you every day. And for me, you just emanate the grace and the joy of Jesus. I just love your presence in our school and what it does for the students. It's just so contagious. Your joy is akin to happiness. I know they're interchangeable, and you just incarnate that. You know, when I when I do get to heaven, maybe I'll have a voice as resonant as yours. I could listen to you all day. I just love your voice. And when, when you speak, people listen. So let's get further into that. You know, this has been a year where we've really been able to focus on something that's always been important to us, but in the midst of Construction and in the midst of COVID, you know, I must confess it wasn't as prominent as it should have been. That is kingdom unity and diversity. I was going back over my journals and I noticed in three, five years ago, we were really focused on this. We're making headway. And then we got we got distracted. And this year, we've made a new commitment after our summer conversations and just the prompting of the Holy Spirit to really seek out racial shalom, which is different than racial reconciliation, which of course is fundamental. But racial shalom is just so much more deep where it's the shalom of God, the true peace that only he can give comes into reality, comes into play uh, with us as the body of Christ so that we're one in him, unified, but yet so diverse in the various gifts that were given, the various backgrounds that are represented including racial differences. So that's why it's more than it's more than coincidence that we've had a man such as Moran join our team to help us think through this issue and to understand the realities that we face and to offer us wisdom and counsel as we grow in our ability to live out kingdom unity and diversity. All that is to say that it's, it, it's time for me to be quiet and just listen, particularly in the foreshadowing days of Martin Luther King's honor. I'd like to ask Moran to speak on what racial shalom means to him and, and some of the observations that he's had now on the inside of who we are and his hopes for us going forward. Moran, what have you got for us?
1: As it relates to racial unity, um, you know, with everything that happened over the summer um, and the summer has just been so awakening for us all. uh, But yet it touched a tenderness inside of us for the fear that we would have to one day deal um, with racial unity, uh, particularly in the South, because the South is a hub of so much. Uh, Racial tension with the civil rights movement uh, with what happened also with the little rock nine over at the central high crisis so we've always had that in the back of our minds that um, We would have to deal with this racial unity So this summer just kind of pushed us in a direction Some of us were not willing to go in of how it is that we were gonna have to deal with the issue that has plagued us for so long And is racism racism has touched us all in every color every ethno background, economics, it touched us all. So we were left with this dilemma of how is it that we're going to uh, reconcile us us, as believers in this thing called racism and and how we move our children forward, how we move the next generation forward with racism, healing, reconciliation. But since coming to Little Rock Christian, we delved into the third option. Um, With Pastor McPherson, that book um, gave us a really base for how it is that we look at racism uh, from a biblical background. We cannot purport to be uh, Christians and believers of the Word of God, but yet take our cues from so many things outside of the Word of God to lead us. So when we're looking at that that definition of racial unity or racial um, of racism, we have what Miles McPherson has given us and he says that when you see that God in you, is lesser than God and someone else. Um, that becomes the determinant of racism. And I will say, man, that rocked my whole thought pattern as it relates to racial unity. You mean, God, I have to look at uh, this person that's not the same color or does not come from the same background as me, but I have to see you in them the same way that I see him in me, regardless of my experience, regardless of my hurt, regardless of my pain. God is not the cause of any of that. And God in him is the same God in me that affirms me, that loves me, um, that resonates with there is a brighter day. So all of those kumbaya things that we think about God, it's also present in the lives of those who don't let understand my culturalness, but because of the cultural boundary or the cultural uh, wall that is up, they don't see God in me. So now I'm on the journey as I'm here at Little Rock Christian to really seek racial unity for myself, with my son, and with with how he has been able to interact with 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 students who are not from his cultural background, and really learning from him of how to really see people as people. Our children will teach us if we'll just watch them sometimes, And being able to really distinguish character, And as Martin Luther King says, that we will be judged not by the color of our skin, but by the content of our character. But Dr. Arnold, what has been so just astounding to me, it is just hitting me in the last few days, of all the good work and all of the good words that Martin Luther King put out, Everything surrounding his work is so confining to color. The Martin Luther King Commissions, in all of the work that we do, it's always not in a, I will say, not a a bridging of sorts, but it's always trying to make the minorities whole. But yet Martin Luther King said, no, we can't just make ourselves whole. We have to reach out past ourselves. We have to go past our communities, go past those walls, because, again, that's the only way that this unity can come. When we see that we're all the same, you know, you and I share something in common. Dr. Dr. Arnold and I both have a clean head. Yeah, We have a bald head. And, and you just like that commonality. You know, he's just like, I don't know what your hair struggle has been. (laughs) You know, and he doesn't know what my hair struggle, but there's something about he when he looks at my bald head and I can see his bald head. We can kind of identify with each other in a sense that people with hair don't understand. You know, I was coming in this morning and I saw you with your hat on. I was like, man, I really should have had my hat on this morning. But there is a commonality. If we could just come together around that and find out that you want to be healthy, just like I want to be healthy. You know, you want good uh, rate of return on your loans. If you have any of those, you may be a wealthy man, no loans, Uh, but on your finances, you want healthy finances. I want healthy finances. I want to be safe. You want to be safe. I want my vote protected just like you want your vote protected. But if we get a chance to come around those commonalities, I had a situation here. uh, One of my first discipline uh, cases that I had to deal with, um, it was around politics and I tried to appeal to the young men that if you could focus on what you and this person have in common rather than what your differences are and I began to ask both of them I said now list all the things that you guys have in common and they all made their list and then I told them list what is different and the small difference it was like the light came on it's just like you mean that's what we're arguing over and I said "And it's really not a difference it's just kind of an opinion you know so for me I'm really shedding, not culture, because I'll never separate from my culture, but I'm just removing those barriers that my culture has set up in me and say, listen, I'm not just extending an olive branch. I'm extending my hand. I'm extending my, extending my mind. I'm extending my, my heart to you to come into my world and me to come into your world and to understand that these worlds are pretty much the same.
0: I love that you started there, because that's exactly where Miles McPherson starts in this book, The Third Option, which is going to become the the guiding light for us as we grow as a community in this area of racial shalom. Uh, In fact, we've had uh, 15 leaders studying the book for uh, eight hours together, and our board's reading the book, and now we're going to take these principles, the first one being, what do we have in common, and we're going to take it out to our faculty, and then eventually our student leaders and then our student bodies. So I'm thrilled about that. I gotta tell you, just yesterday I was talking to Ann Shawney and we were talking about blind spots. And that's the other thing that Miles McPherson points out is we all have blind blind spots, uh, whether we know it or not. And then but when it's brought to our attention in the right way through the Holy Spirit or someone whom we love and trust, it really changes our whole experience when we gain sight in our blind spots. I'd love to, you know, we need to make this a two-parter. We're going to talk about that next week. And then the other thing I want to talk about is the in-group and the out-group, how all of us, whether that, and it transcends race, but all of us have our own personal in-group and our own personal out-group. So it just doesn't have to be about race. We can practice in our own sphere of living with our ins and our outs and not letting the outs be out but bringing everybody in because that's what Jesus does. He includes everybody and died for everybody and loves everybody everybody. But uh, what the beauty of that is, I was talking to a board member about that just last night, and that was their takeaway, that not only is this going to help us grow in the area of racial shalom, but it's going to help us grow as disciples of Jesus Christ. So you have met, whom I regard now, a close colleague and friend, Moran King, and thank God with me that the Lord brought him into leadership here, and that we can learn and grow together. Join us next week as we explore blind spots and in and out groups and i'm not talking about the in and out burgers i'm talking about in and out groups so until then go in peace and go warriors